Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. And as always, I am joined by fellow co-founder, the man himself. It is, of course, Evan Silva. Evan, what's going on? What's up, man? Coming off a wild, wild week. I think that uh, 15 games and only four home teams won. And on the main slate, only two home teams won. Mm. Um, so this was a, a great week to be kind of thinking outside the box. The, the early slate for me was just it could not have gone any worse. And then the late slate came on and I had a bunch of Fournette and a bunch of David Johnson and a ton of uh, golf to cup. Mm-hmm. And um, wound up having a good week, and I mean, I, I I thought it was I thought I was dead in the water after the early slate. Like seriously, and I and I lost my over or my my total bet too. Um, I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, this is going to be a backbreaker. But wound up pretty pretty good, man. How how'd you how'd your uh, how'd your week four go? Yeah, it, it was okay. I, I had uh, I played Eckler, Gallman, and McCaffrey, and then once you did that, I think uh, you were kind of sitting pretty. Um, so yeah, uh, it was good. Um, okay. We are once again going to go team by team here. Uh, I think people enjoy that format. I think it keeps, keeps us sharp with talking about every single team. This episode, episode 21 will be the NFC and free, just a small sliver of all the content slash information we're putting out on a week to week basis. Episode 22 will cover the AFC and be behind the paywall. I would note that we now have a monthly only option. Uh, We just put out a fresh top 150 for the rest of the season rankings. We have our Friday night show. We have Evan's matchups column. We have tons of other stuff on there. And now that we are four weeks into the season, four weeks in the books, we will be running a sale this week via promo code for 20% off. We're setting that up right now. So stay tuned to establish the run on Twitter at establish the run on Twitter for more details on how to get that 20% off for the rest of the season. All right, Evan, let's get onto it. Let's talk about the NFC and we will start with Arizona. I think as expected, you know, a ton of checkdowns to David Johnson, a lot of inefficiency from uh, what I think we've talked about is an immature offense so far. I think the big news in this game was at the very, very end. And I was actually watching this game and I saw Christian Kirk uh, go down, looked like a foot or ankle issue at one of the very last plays of the game. Looked to me like he's going to be out a bit. Uh, Demir Bird who was essentially really a starter for them. He's dealing with a hamstring pull also. Uh, I am high on Keyshawn Johnson's talent, but he plays on the outside, and that's really not where the value is in this offense. I think the question is, Evan, who's going to take Christian Kirk's spot in the slot? And I think we have a candidate that the draft Twitter community was a buzz about. I mean, unbelievable athletic profile, unbelievable college production, has not has been like sixth, literally sixth on the Cardinals depth chart though, and that's Andy Isabella. Uh, what do you think of Christian Kirk's injury and what the fallout is going to be here? Yeah, and there have been there has been some speculation that Kirk could have a high ankle sprain. We don't have any confirmation yet on the exact nature of his injury. Hopefully, we'll get that uh, later in the week. We're doing this um, early in the afternoon on Tuesday, but yeah, it opens up a lot of opportunity, man. And I think that Larry Fitzgerald should benefit. You know, in week mm-hmm. uh, week five, this team's going to be playing a bad, bad, bad Bengals defense. So there's going to be immediate value to be had. Yeah, Andy Isabella was actually a really polarizing player uh, among the draft net community. Some people hated him. Some people loved him. He, uh, he went to the Senior Bowl. Some people said that he looked fantastic. You know, and this is kind of one of the dangers of trusting your eyes that 
people, you know, two people can look at something and see completely different things. Some people said that he crushed it at the senior bowl. Other people said that he stunk. Uh, he body catches everything. Um, his, you know, he was hurt for a big portion of training camp. And so he kind of fell behind the eight ball there. And uh, also his, his route running gets a lot of, a lot, a lot of criticism. Um, but he's really, really fast. We saw him make mm -hmm. a big play uh, t toward the end of the preseason. Mm -hmm. They used a high pick on him. And now he's got a chance to fill, jump right into this Christian Kirk role. We don't know if that's you know, for sure going to happen, but he's got a chance. And that makes him a pretty intriguing pickup this week on the waiver wire in, in a week where there are not very many good pickups. Yeah. Uh, I would also note that Larry Fitzgerald already leads the entire league in targets inside the 10-yard line. Um, and yeah, this is certainly a good spot for Larry Fitzgerald against the Bengals coming up. And Andy Isabella, I mean, in the preseason, Evan mentioned he he was hurt, uh, came back and played a bunch or a decent amount late in the preseason. I mean, he was faster than everybody else on the field. Dude was just going vertical uh, with some serious speed. So I'm excited to see how this plays out. Hopefully we get some more information. But when you're on a team that plays four wide at such a high clip as Arizona does, and you have two wide receivers hurt, like there's going to be opportunities. So we'll keep an eye there. Uh, Let's go to Atlanta. And I think, you know, one thing I've noticed is Austin Hooper, I mean, has been among the best tight end plays for two straight weeks. Now, that was against Tennessee and Indy. I think two teams where you can say tight ends are going to have success specifically against uh, Indy. Texans next. Uh, do you think this continues with Austin Hooper? Uh, how high would you have Austin Hooper if you were drafting right now? Because we've seen him kind of pop up with these games before and then go back to the three, four, five target role uh, underneath. Right. And look, I mean, these Austin Hooper games have also come in games where Calvin Ridley has done nothing. You know, mm -hmm. when, when Calvin Ridley had the big week two game against the Eagles, Austin Hooper didn't do much. So that's one of the things about this, this Falcons passing game. Julio is at the top, you know, clearly. And then there are three guys kind of like fighting week to week. And that has rendered them very inconsistent, you know? Yeah. So Look, I, I really like Austin Hooper. Uh, I own him in uh, on one of my main event teams in FFPC. He's been absolutely crushing it there. I mean, it's, you know, uh, 1.5 points for PPR. And, I mean, I'm going to keep rolling him out. We, we actually drafted him and David Njoku. Uh, so he's been kind of like saving us. Um, but, he, like, you know, I'm going to keep rolling him out there. But I, I don't think that it's going to necessarily uh, continue – uh, at the pace that is over his last 16 games, though, Austin Hooper up to 87 receptions. Yeah. So you, you, it's just going to be a situation where you kind of have to take some of the bad with the good. We've gotten mostly good so far, but I think that there are going to be some bad weeks when Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu pop up a little more. Yeah. And one other thing on Atlanta, you know, I'm not excited about Devontae Freeman, but I would note that his two like total dust ball games were against Philly and Minnesota, which a lot of people are going to have total dust ball games uh, against. He's had reasonable games in his other two. So I'm not excited about Devontae Freeman, but you know I don't think he's been as bad as maybe people are making him out to be. Uh, anything else on Atlanta? Uh, Devontae Freeman, 20 touches to Edo Smith's four last week. Still not making explosive plays, but was very, very active in the passing game. Uh, and that is something that can, although he's not, you know, they, they do not have good rushing efficiency right now. Their offensive line is not panned out the way that they had hoped with all the additions that they made, two first-round picks, uh, three free agent signings. Their running game just really is not there. Uh, but if he can maintain that level of usage in the passing game, then he's going to be able to like kind of circumvent 
that that uh, inability to run the ball consistently. Yep. All right. Let's go to Carolina. Kind of a surprisingly low scoring game. But if you really look at it, I mean, it looked like Carolina could have hung a big number. Kyle Allen lost three fumbles in this game, which really crippled the scoring chances for Carolina. So I'm not ready to uh, cut bait there. Still really encouraged about their skill players with Kyle Allen. Obviously, you know, this Christian McCaffrey role is like the best role we have ever seen uh, in fantasy, certainly of this era. Uh, Anything you had on Carolina? Yeah, Kyle Allen kind of t- took a step back last week with the fumbles and that, I mean, you know, a bunch of turnovers, that, that's really going to kill any total. And then uh, on the other side, I mean, the Panthers defensive line, even without K1 short, they just placed on uh, injured reserve mm-hmm. right before we uh, started doing this. Um, they, they really dominated the Texans uh, on the other side of the ball. So yeah. it was just, it wound up just being a defensive oriented game and um, you know, all those turnovers were were really bad uh, for for the outcome. Um, no, I think that uh, with the Panthers, you know, I think that we we'll see them play better uh, going forward. The the Jack see in week six and week five, they're going to be facing the Jaguars, who were, were an entirely different team without Jalen Ramsey. I mean, Joe Flacco like lit them on fire. Joe Flacco hasn't lit on anybody on fire in in decades. Uh, so uh, that'll be a situation of modern entering week five. Uh, Chicago Bears have a lot going on right now, Evan, that I have notes on. I mean, first of all, Mitchell Trubisky goes down. I think he could be back week seven. They do have a bye week six. Uh, I'm not, I mean, Chase Daniel is, I think, a downgrade for Mitchell Trubisky, but but not a huge one. How much would you downgrade uh, the entire offense from Trubisky down to Chase Daniel? Just going to be a lot of short area stuff. Um, and, but that, you know, that wasn't, that's not really a, a departure from what Mitch was doing early in the year. So, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a huge, huge problem. Um, Allen Robinson is the guy that he targeted, that Chase Daniel targeted most off the bench. They connected seven times for 77 yards in week four. Allen Robinson led the team in air yards. They're facing the Raiders this week. Very good matchup for Allen Robinson. So I, I, I keep sticking – I would stick with him. Uh, it was, in, you know, our, our boy from the preseason, Javon Wims, with Taylor Gabriel out yep. this past week, Javon Wims played 94% of the Bears' offensive snaps. Uh, so if Taylor Gabriel isn't ready to go in London, uh, Javon Wims could be like kind of a, a sneaky kind of sleeper uh, oh, this yeah. week, especially if you're just playing that one-game DFS slate. I'm sure that – or uh, assuming that, that that is offered. I don't know if it is. But um, but I wanted to mention in the running game, David Montgomery only averaging 3.5 yards per carry, uh, but he has 16 or more touches in three straight weeks – He's got 11 targets over the last three weeks. That's pretty good. He's going to be facing off in London uh, against the Raiders defense that will be missing Vontez Perfect. He's done for the season. That dude should not just be suspended. He should be put in prison uh, for, for the things that he has been doing on the football field. Like, I, I'm not even kidding. Uh, but David Monk, you know, we talked about it so much uh, last week as it pertained to Leonard Fournette, you know, we're going to get some touchdowns here from Dave Montgomery. Like, like they're going to start coming. He's going to be able to rip some big plays. I think it might happen in London, but just keep chasing that usage. Even if what you see when you watch them, you don't, you don't feel encouraged by it. That usage, as long as it keeps coming, man, that is what is by far most important in fantasy. Yeah, those are the two notes that I had. I mean, Javon Wims surprisingly plays ahead of Anthony Miller with Taylor Gabriel out. And, and for, those guys don't, for those of you guys who didn't play preseason, Javon Wims just – straight dominator 
uh, last couple of years in preseason. And yeah, Mike Davis, I believe was a, a scratch. I think he, they said he had a personal issue or something like that, but he's just fallen way off the radar. This is certainly David Montgomery's backfield. Now I know Dwayne uh, wrote about that and, and we led, uh, Dwayne's utilization report on establish the run with David Montgomery. Um, let's go to Dallas, man. And that was not a very pretty performance for them. On the national stage down in New Orleans, uh, I was encouraged for Ezekiel Elliott, not necessarily for the Cowboys, but encouraging for Ezekiel Elliott that he played 56 of 58 snaps. Tony Pollard played just two. I was disappointed that Devin Smith uh, has not shown up at all with the Gallup uh, still out. I think Gallup's going to miss at least one more week. What did you see out of Dallas on Sunday night, Evan? Yeah, their play action rate has gone down every week. And their first down run rate has gone up every week. And you know, that, that, those are not good signs. And it makes me wonder if Jason Garrett is starting to like infiltrate the play calling of Kellen Moore. And we saw them just bottom out. That, the Saints defense did not play well in the first three games. I mean, they, they got lit on fire both uh, on the ground and in the passing game in the, in the first three weeks. All of a sudden, you know, the, the Cowboys are, are not dialing up play action nearly as much. And they're running the ball on first down, which is just a gift to any defense. I mean, running the ball on first down against first down defenses that have their nose tackle in, that have their Sam linebacker in, that are built to stop the run, is it's got to be the, the most negative EV play like in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just silly. And they started doing that for whatever reason. And uh, they had by far their worst offensive performance of the year against a defense that had not played well. So my hope is that was just, you know, kind of a blip. And I don't know, maybe they had some concerns about the crowd noise at the Superdome or something. I don't know. You know, I don't know why they would, you know, start making bad decisions with their play calling. Uh, But hopefully they can they can get it, get it back rolling going forward. Uh, Michael Gallup looks like he's going to be back sooner rather than later. Yep. Yeah, and I think that'll be good for them. Uh, they go up to Lambeau this week, I believe. Uh, let's go to Detroit. And we talked about it. I don't want to spend a lot of time here because they're about to go on a bye. But uh, we talked about it a lot last week, how big of a move it was. CJ Anderson being gone for On Johnson. I mean, On Johnson now has unquestioned goal line role. You know, such a dominator on the lead downs in terms of market share. So uh, things are really ticking up for On Johnson. One of the arguments that we were having when we were doing this top 150 was, should On Johnson be ahead of Derrick Henry should carry on Johnson be ahead of Aaron Jones if we were drafting today should carry on Johnson be ahead of Leonard Fournette if we were drafting today uh, my take was that I would probably go Fournette then carry on and then the other two guys but I thought it was super close I mean I could easily have carry on ahead of those all those guys uh, I just think his role is so awesome but they're going into a bye Evan uh, any thoughts on Detroit nope um you know, it's, it's pretty much that, just that the arrow has really started to scream upward on on Johnson. I mean, the arrow, you know, since the beginning of training camp, the arrow has gone up and then down and then up and then down, and, and mm-hmm. we're, we're back on, a, on an upward trend right now. So like that going into the bye. One of the biggest well, Hopefully injury- they don't, like, go re-sign C.J. Anderson or something. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of the biggest injuries I think we saw in the entire week happened last Thursday, and that was Devontae Adams. Uh, going down with what looked like a toe injury, I believe. And I don't know how long he's going to be out. Seems like he's going to miss some time. And I think that really affects this whole offense. I mean, he's just such a huge part of what the Packers do, what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. We know that they'll start Geronimo Allison 
and Marquez Valdez Scantling. I don't even know if uh, Jake Kumaro is healthy. He missed last week with a shoulder injury. I'd be intrigued by him if he was going to have an every down roll. But but man, I'm a little scared about this offense as a whole uh, when they have to play without Devontae Adams. Um, how about you? Yeah, me too. And then going on the road uh, to Dallas uh, to face a Cowboys team that is very likely to bounce back, I think. Um, it, it's a little bit of a worry, worrisome development. We're just, we, we just we don't have definitive news yet on Devontae Adams, but I think that the indications that we've gotten so far are that he is not going to play in week five. Yeah. I misspoke earlier. You're right. That game is in Dallas. One other note that I make is Jamal Williams had that scary injury on Thursday. Seems like he's going to be okay, but I don't know if he's going to play this week. I do think they'd get Dexter Williams up. Uh, and I actually uh, played Dexter Williams a couple times in the preseason, not with much success. He really was not uh, that impressive at all. So it is a chance for uh, Aaron Jones' workload to expand, I think, here. But uh, no Devonta Adams going to Dallas. Uh, it's a little scary, um, but we'll see on Jamal Williams. Yeah, uh, I did want to mention Tyron Smith, uh, Cowboys left tackle, suffered a high ankle sprain. Yeah. It looks like it might only be a one to two week high ankle sprain. But if you look historically, the splits with and without Tyron Smith, big, big difference. And Dak Prescott had seven pass attempts after Tyron Smith left last week. He was pressured on four of them. Yeah, great point. Um, okay, let's go to the Rams. And Evan was all over this Jared Goff eruption led matchups column. Uh, with Jared Goff and had a lot of good stats from SIS about the spot for Goff and Cup. Uh, I don't think anybody could have expected the Rams to run, I believe it was 98 plays and for Goff to go over 500 yards. Obviously, the game script was just absolutely perfect for Jared Goff and the pass game. Now they're on a short week uh, playing at Seattle. Um, any thoughts on the Rams? Yeah, you know, they they really didn't get going until... The Bucks had jumped out to a big, big lead. I, mm-hmm. you know, this is kind of the defense that I was anticipating from the Rams uh, before the season. But they played really good defense in the first three weeks. You know, this was one of the weeks where, and this happens every year, and it's usually right around this time where it just kind of makes you question a lot of things that you thought that you had taken away from the first three weeks. And yeah. One of them was how good is this Rams defense? Because it looked really good in the first three games, and it was atrocious. I mean, could not get a, a, a hand on Jameis Winston. Two sacks and four hits on, I believe, 45 dropbacks. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first three games, the Bucks' offensive line was really, really struggling. This is why I like the Rams' defense, who, by the way, scored a touchdown uh, to, to take themselves out of, out of a hole. But um, Jameis Winston – uh, was averaging almost four sacks per game and over eight hits taken per game in the first three weeks. All of a sudden, he's got a squeaky clean pocket all day long in L.A. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to, you know, we, we got to kind of throw up our hands here as to how good the Rams' defense is. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Bucks' offense in a little bit. Uh, yeah, let's go to the Vikings. And I, I was, you know, uh, look, their offense was a disaster. And a lot of people are going to go to Chicago and their offense is going to be a disaster, but I was encouraging you know, Dalvin scores a touchdown. Dalvin catches six passes. Like it's getting to the point where Dalvin, no matter what the matchup is, uh, is has passed to production. And actually one of the arguments that we had uh, when we were doing the top 150 for rest of season, I wanted to have, uh, well, for, initially we had Dalvin as the RB4 uh, behind Zeke Kamara and uh, McCaffrey. And I argued that Dalvin should actually be number two overall, the number two running back. I mean, I would take 
Dalvin right now over Kamara. I would take Dalvin right now over Zeke. Uh, I don't know if that's an overreaction to what we've seen in the first month, but I think Dalvin's role and skill level and the way this team is committed to the run game, is just sets up so well for Dalvin. Um, how do you feel about Dalvin at number two overall rest of season and anything else on Minnesota? I like it. I, I really, really like it. You know, and I think that you made great points as to why, because even in a game that didn't go well for him, um, you know, he was so involved in the passing game that it really just raised his floor. He was still able to get into the end zone and he is in a great, great bounce back spot heading into week five. The, the giants, they've suffered injuries to all three of their top three inside linebackers. Tay Davis was out last week with a concussion. Alec Ogletree, he's questionable. He's going to be questionable with the concussion. And then Ryan Connolly, this, this rookie, uh, who had been making a ton of tackles for them towards ACL last week. So mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook is just boom. You know, I, I think he's going to be one of the one of the highest, or he deserves to be one of the highest owned uh, DFS plays on on the Week Five slate. We'll, we'll talk a lot about, about that more. Keep hanging on to Alexander Madison in season long leagues. I know he didn't get very many touches last week. That's not that's usually what's going to be the case when uh, when the Vikings are not playing well offensively or they're playing from behind, but. You know, remember, Dalvin Cook is getting over 20 touches. He's got over 20 touches in every single game. And he's got an extensive injury history that extends back even to college. So, and if Alexander Madison gets into this num- number one role in the in this Vikings offense that is so committed to hiding Kirk Cousins and so committed to running the football, he's going to be a legit RB1. Um, and then I just wanted to mention that Adam Thielen kind of spoke up about the – uh, the Vikings like unwillingness to kind of you know, let, let it loose uh, in the passing game. And I think that he might be the squeaky wheel this week. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's gotta be frustrating to be a receiver on the Vikings right now, given the way that they're playing. Um, okay. The saints, I didn't really have a lot on the saints. I mean, Alvin Kamara's role continues to expand as they've uh, moved to this new offense under Teddy Bridgewater. I think Drew Brees, could be back. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the timeline, I believe, was four to eight weeks uh, or maybe it was six to eight weeks. I don't remember exactly, but it's still going to be a, a little bit. The good news for Kamara is that, yeah, red zone opportunity is going to go down without Drew Brees, but he's playing way more than he did before. Uh, anything else on these Saints? No, just really don't like this offense. And, you know, we like Kamara came back down to earth and um, Michael Thomas even, I, you know, I was looking at the top 150. I thought that he was a little bit too high, but mm-hmm. um, he, he has been getting the targets. I mean, he's second in the NFL in target share in Teddy's two starts. So that's the way that he can maintain um, this consistent uh, PPR, you know, fringe wide receiver one value. Uh, let's go to the Giants because there's a lot to talk about here. First of all, uh, Wayne Gallman's usage. Well, first of all, his production was awesome. And, and I think uh, some of the stuff we talked about about him as a pass catcher last week on the Friday pod and on Sunday, I think uh, hopefully should have been a big difference maker in deciding whether to play Wayne Gallman or not. I mean, this dude is almost at a reception every 10 snaps right now in his NFL career. And that's really, really high. Uh, and also they showed uh, willingness to use him at the goal line. And especially after John Hilleman fumbled uh, at the goal line, we should see even more of that going forward. So I was encouraged with what I saw from Wayne Gallman. Obviously, the problem now is you go from home against the Redskins to facing the Vikings. And I believe he has another tough matchup after that. Uh, so I'm curious what you think about Wayne Gallman. Then also we have news in the Giants because Golden Tate is coming back. But Benny Fowler and TJ Jones have been released. So, you know, it, they have a weird setup now, man. They have Golden Tate in the slot. They have 
Uh, Sterling Shepard, who plays best in the slot. They have Evan Ingram, who likes to line up in the slot. It's just a weird setup, but I think they have some talented players. And once Saquon gets back, they'll have some actually talented players. Uh, where are you at with the Giants? Yeah, Jonathan Hill, Hillman picked him up in uh, in uh, FFPC main event. He had 10 carries and he played a lot early, but he had that he lost that fumble at the goal line. I believe it was mid to late third quarter and only had one touch after that. And we even saw some Elijah Penny over him late in the game. So a little bit worried about him, but he is right now, at least for now, still the clear cut handcuff to Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman's usage was like, I mean, that's going to make him matchup proof. If he's, if he's being used that often in the passing game, he had what seven targets caught six for 55 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's probably not going to have great rushing efficiency, uh, on a week-to-week basis, but you, being used that much in the passing game is really, really good news for Wayne Gallman, and he's like he's in every week RB two, I think, uh, in season-long leagues going forward. Yeah, what do you think about Golden Tate coming back in this whole wide receiver situation? Yeah, so Golden Tate played sixty-two percent of his snaps in the slot in preseason. Sterling Shepard did not play in the preseason. I believe it was a, a hamstring injury and then a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, my, my first inclination is that Sterling Shepard is going to go play outside more to this point. He's been like an 80% slot receiver. I would rather have him playing uh, inside. So it's just, it's just a little bit of a concern. Um, but I, you know, we can kind of find out what's going to happen more this week against the Vikings, because I don't think the Sterling Shepard is going to be a particularly good play against the Vikings. We can just kind of see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Darius Slayton, I think, is going to be the favorite to be the third receiver now, like their primary deep threat. Remember, he runs 4-3-9. He made a bunch of big plays two weeks ago. He ran ahead of Cody Latimer this past week. Uh, and then they cut Benny Fowler, who ran ahead of Darius Slayton this past week. So Darius Slayton should be the guy in three receiver sets, along with Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. Yeah, deep sleeper there, Darius Slayton. Okay, let's go to the Eagles. And they did have a long week to get healthier, which I think that they needed. We'll see on the status of Deshaun Jackson and some of these other guys. But I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, they remain two to three deep at running back. They remain two deep at tight end with talent. They remain three or four deep at wide receiver. I I mean, to me, on a week-to-week basis, uh, the best play is often going to be Carson Wentz when all these guys are healthier and they are uh, get to face the Jets and arguably the worst cornerback group or one of the worst cornerback groups in the NFL this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough with the Eagles right now. They're, they When they're healthy, they're going to be really, really deep. Uh, any thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, just just need to get healthy. I mean, there's not not a whole lot more to add. Yeah. Okay, let's go to San Francisco. They're going to be coming out of their bye here, and we could see Tevin Coleman back as soon as this week. Uh, I'm curious where you think uh, the the share will be between Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman now that Tevin Coleman is coming back. Oh, man, I, this is going to be a really difficult situation to sort out. And I think it's just going to be a situation where we have to, like, get a game underneath our belt before mm-hmm. we really know anything. Um, yeah. You know, they are playing a pretty good Browns defensive front on Monday night. But uh, – I, I just, I, I'm just going to say, I just don't know. You know, I'm not going to yeah. pretend to know. Uh, yeah, I, I think they showed enough hesitancy while Tevin was out. Like they, they didn't, they didn't be like, oh, we're going to saddle up Matt Breida for 20 touches now. So I'd be surprised if it was anything different than like, you know, very close 50, 50, 55, 45 or something between Tevin and Breida. Assuming that they're healthy, assuming that Tevin has full clearance, but we'll see. 
but but they've also very much shown a willingness to use three backs. Yep. And yep. three back situations, as we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum, not good situations for fantasy investment. Jeffrey Wilson has done his job. You know, he's their north south downhill goal line runner. Matt Breida has done his job. He's a, you know a big play back. Um, Raheem Mostert has has done his job as well. So. Yeah. I, I just, I just, I just don't know. It's, it's crazy in San Francisco. We have like, there's like a five-man receiver rotation and a potential four-man backfield that we have to sort through. It's just, it's, it's pretty frustrating for fantasy. Each week, you know, one guy is going to pop up, but then, you know, they could easily just go back, you know, to being just an, just another guy the very next week. Uh, one other thing on San Francisco, George Kittle, we had a bit of a debate about where to rank him for the rest of the season. And and we settled on making him the tight end three ahead of Zach Ertz, ahead of Darren Waller. And I think in part because he already had his bye, George Kittle, which obviously makes a difference when you're doing uh, these rest of season rankings. But I think also George Kittle's game flows have also been really bad. Like, you know, they wrecked the Bucks. Uh, they wrecked the Bengals. You know, they beat the Steelers. They ran the ball so, so, so well uh, in a lot of these games. And I think we'll see games where they're more reliant on the pass game and more reliant on George Kittle. So I feel pretty good about having Kittle ahead of Ertz and Waller, uh, but it's certainly really, really, uh, really close. But yeah, still excited to own George Kittle where I do. Um, let's go to Seattle. And man, a big usage bump. You know, I was wrong. Uh, everybody else in the world was right. Will Disley got a big usage bump and capitalized, uh, took advantage of the Bible narrative. If somebody would have told me that Russell Wilson and Will Disley actually go to Bible study together. Maybe I would have been higher on Will Disley. But yeah, he saw a big usage bump against the Cardinals. Again, it was against the Cardinals. We'll see how it is going forward. And then Rashad Penny expected back this week. They are on the short week, play Thursday. Um, But Chris Carson, man, came back from that fumble disaster in week three and absolutely beasted in week four. Any thoughts on Seattle going into this Thursday night game? The Seahawks love Chris Carson, man. I mean, he's got a really long leash. You know, to be able to get away with really almost costing them, I mean, costing them a lot. You know, like these were not just routine lost fumbles in the middle of the field. The other team gets the ball, goes three and out, and, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like these were really, really costly fumbles, and they stayed with him, and he repaid them. This past week, he had over 140 total yards. They're still throwing the ball to him a good amount. He had over 40 receiving yards in this game. Um, He did get – he had a touchdown called back and then got vultured by C.J. Proceis like a couple of plays later. So he did not get into the paint, but uh, he forced nine missed tackles, which uh, was tied for the league lead in week four. You know, of course, avoided fumbles and like – you know, the, the coaching staff just absolutely loves this dude. Uh, so I think that you can start him with confidence on Thursday night against the Rams. Yeah, even with Rashad Penny coming back, I mean, I do mm-hmm. think that that Chris Carson will remain the man. But yeah, Penny's not going to not play at all. He's going to play some. He's going to play more than I think C.J. Procise uh, did, at least on early downs. Uh, okay, this Tampa Bay situation, I mean, I guess the number one waiver wire pickup this week, if Ronald Jones isn't owned in your league, I guess is Ronald Jones. And and yeah, I get the excitement. You know, uh, he's played well. Uh, he's played better. It can be an exciting offense. Uh, my concern with Ronald Jones is the dude has three targets in four games. And you run into these problems with these guys like this. You know, ask Marlon Mack, ask Sony Michelle. You know, guys who play like that, it's really hard for me to play them 
on DK, full PPR, and you know, not game flow independent. In other words, team gets behind and all those all of a sudden Marlon Mack is just totally dusted and you spent sixty one hundred on Marlon Mack and you sit there and you watch him on the sideline while it's the Naheem Hines show. I'm afraid that people getting too excited about Ronald Jones are gonna be tilting their faces off, not only because Peyton Barber is not going away, but also because when the Bucks are behind and they're no great team. I mean, I think they're solid, but they're no great team. Uh, you're going to be uh, watching Ronald Jones on the sideline. So that's my concern. I don't think he's like uh, as exciting as other people do, I guess. Uh, what do you feel about Ronald Jones? Well, he was really, he was awesome uh, in this game and he's played well in three of the Bucks four, four games, but your, your concerns are valid and almost like takes him off the radar in, in DFS. I mean, three targets in four games, that's brutal. Yeah. You know, that he, he has no floor. He's not giving you any anything other than what he, you know, he when he's what what he's gaining as a rusher and rushing efficiency can come and go. He was awesome in this game though and he deserves credit for it. He finished with like 3.7 yards per carry, but I mean, I think that anybody who watched the game would come away being very very impressed with how aggressive he was running between the tackles and you started you know, he was a track star. Uh, he's like a former track star, and you started to see some of that in this game. He had a 54-yard run called back due to a, a holding penalty on guess who, O.J. Howard, uh, and then another another 24-yard uh, run called back. Um, but he was really, really impressive in this game. It's just, you know, how much is that worth going forward? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, O.J. Howard – it's it's bad. I mean, you, you should be streaming over him, like no questions asked until something changes. And I'm not entirely sure that something is going to change. He did catch all three of his targets in this game for 30 yards. This st- stood out to me about O.J. Howard. You know, he was an awesome blocker at Alabama. That was one of his calling cards. He is number 67 out of 67 qualified tight ends in run blocking at Pro Football Focus. And he is 62nd out of 67 in pass blocking. Hmm. So he is just playing terribly right now. And that is to explain. And I mean, I, I, again, I don't think he's a bad player at all. I just think he's really going through a bad rut right now. And we, we really, we have no reason to expect his uh, usage to elevate because of how poorly he has been playing. Yeah. Sad. Sad. Last note on Tampa, of course, uh, Chris Godwin pulled slightly back ahead of Mike Evans in their battle uh, to be the Bucks number one. Wide out, it'll be an ongoing battle all year. Uh, last NFC team, of course, is the Washington Redskins. And what a mess. I mean, they throw Dwayne Haskins in there like, you know, you're setting this dude up to fail. Nobody would succeed with their offensive line, with their weaponry, um, with their, you know, franchise and scheming. Like, it's just, I almost feel bad for Dwayne Haskins. Now they have to play New England this week. I don't know who they're going to start. I'm not sure it really matters. Terry McLaurin nursing a hamstring injury. Uh, it's just such a mess in Washington. I, I, I'm just so fed up with this franchise. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we say this every single podcast. Yeah. You know, they will never win under Dan Snyder. Chris Thompson could, could have an all right week this week. That's like, yeah. that, that's like our, our glass half full take on the Redskins. You know what? My, because my take all week was going to be I was going to fade all the Redskins receivers. Because I knew that McLaurin was going to be like really high chalk. I, I thought that people were going to play – uh, a lot of uh, uh, Paul Richardson and stuff too. And I was like, man, you know, I just want no part of the Redskins whatsoever. It's such a good fade at high ownership. And then McLaurin gets ruled out. I end up playing some uh, Paul Richardson and I was just so, so, so frustrated. So 
Screw, yeah, screw Paul that. Richardson, Marlon Mack on the early slate were just absolute garbage. All right. Thank you guys for listening again. Please follow at Establish Run on Twitter. Follow at Evan Silva on Twitter. Follow at Adam Levitan on Twitter. That's the best place to find the most important and timely information about fantasy football and also get that promo code. So for Evan, for producer Luke, for Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.